listening to episode 28 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who've decided to do a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. It's free comic book day, so you know what that means. Exploit your small business owners. (laughs) Oh, yikes. No, don't do that. Buy comics. (laughs) Buy a comic, you nerd. You fucking cheap nerd. (laughs) So... For those of you listening, we are actually in the past. Uh, today is free comic book day. For those of you who are listening, you when you hear this, you'll have already gone to your comic book stores. I hope that you bought comics. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed the comics that you bought. And I would really love it, we would really love it, if you would share with us what you got from free comic book day. All the purchases you made, all the free stuff you got, whatever you got, share it with us. We'd love to see it. And you can share that stuff with us by hitting us up on social media. Uh, at we're at the comics pals all over the place so you can find us there you can also leave us a comment and a five-star rating on itunes we're a five-star rated podcast for which we are very proud and we'd love to continue that um you can also hit us up on youtube you can subscribe to our channel you can like this video that you were watching and you can leave a comment share it with your friends that really 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 helps us out and the best way to reach us if you want to share anything you want to share with us in terms of a random question or anything like that, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com. So definitely hit us up with all that cool stuff. So this week, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 released, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit later. But for now, I want to ask you guys, how are we doing? How are the pals? I also have a question. Where do you think... <laughs> That's not an answer to my question. <laughs> I'd like to answer your question with yeah, a yeah. question. Sean. This is what I'm currently pondering. Um, and this... Will reflect how I'm doing. Where do you think Stanley buys his clothes? <laughs> Dude, I don't think he's bought a new pair of clothes in fifty years. <laughs> so, like, so you're saying like Woolworths or something? <laughs> Mon- I'm saying Mon- that Mon- Montgomery Wards or I'm saying he's been wearing some the same shit for fifty years. So yeah. Whenever all the Woolworths went out of business, Stanley went around and bought up every single nice ass sweater vest that he could find, and he's stocked been rocking on... those bad boys for ever since 1975. He's stocked up on he has old ass guys. sweaters. Leave Stanley alone. At, Leave did you say Stanley at... alone. Did you? Just... Well, it's weird that you asked that question because I think old man Stan is actually on this episode. Hey, uh, I'll tell you, kids. I get my uh, I get my clothes from Woolworths. <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't stocked up on old guy khakis at the J.C. Penny ten years ago. I'll tell you, you know, you can buy a lot of khakis when you get a lot of that Spider-Man money, you know? Uh, <laughs> I'm responsible for... I, if you didn't know, I'm responsible for characters like Spider-Man and the X-Men. You make a lot of khakis money when you create the kind of superhero stories that I create. Did you Did you also create uh, Superman? Oh, I sure did. Sure did. I mean, well, I didn't create him, but I might as well have, you know? What about Batman? I mean... <laughs> Batman. Who reads Batman? That's a good question. <laughs> would 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 you believe I was in the room? <laughs> Stan, how are you gonna just talk about Bob Kane like that? Ah, Bob Kane's a hack. <laughs> this feels wrong. <laughs> to be fair, Bob Kane was a hack. It was Bob Kane and Bill Finger. That doesn't mean Bob Kane was a hack. <laughs> He was just Jeez. A dick. That's not what I've heard. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a that's 
that's an accusation you're going to have to back up with some facts, buddy. I've heard – I read somewhere that – Oh, good. We read he, somewhere. <laughs> I don't remember where it was now. But he uh, – after creating Batman, he just sat around and painted like the same sad clown for like 20 years. That's what I would do. Bob Bob Kane one was kind of a hack. Uh, a lot of the great ideas of Batman. <laughs> I don't know. Bill Finger, he might have been a hack. Well, B- Bill Finger came up with everything that we know as Batman. So what did Bob Kane do? Put the credit on it? of others. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a hack to me. You know, I, I I I do. My understanding is that Bill Finger is responsible for creating things like the Batcave and the Batmobile and Robin and like and the Batman costume and uh like pretty much everything we know as Batman comes from Bill Finger. Well, there was a documentary recently released, right, about this very subject. So if you want to be extremely controversial, yeah. If you want to be informed, that would be something worth checking out. Yeah, because wasn't it only just recently that he, like, legally started getting, like, the credit for being a co-creator? Yeah. Like, for the longest yeah. time, yeah. it was just Bob. There's a lot of historians that were really beating the drum for Bill Finger to get credit for this. Well, thanks for that, old man, Stan. You know, that was, uh, that was enlightening. That really got us on a good, uh, a good path there. All right, kids, I'll see you next week. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> so, Phil, I believe you had a question for us. No, actually, that's me. I have another you? question that oh wasn't the goodness. random question, and I'm so Kills glad all full five of fucking questions this week. I'm so glad all five of us are here because this one is really important, and I think it's going to start an argument. I'm really pumped about it. Oh, good, because we don't have enough of those on this show. I guess that means it's time for the random question of the week. There you go. It's really. It also means almost missing your cues. So Guardians of the Galaxy 2 just came out, right? We've all seen it. Out of our five pals, assign yourself, assign us as the Guardian team. Oh, that's oh, so fun. That's a really so fun each one. other or like we... Yeah, who I... out of... Who is who in the Guardians team? In this, for in the sake of like having this be like a better qual- thing experience for our listeners, how about instead of each of us picking our own, like let's try to agree on some of them. Okay, so Marco is baby Groot. Marco's no. definitely baby Groot. Definitely Groot. Yeah, like one thousand percent. I want to be Mantis. <laughs> Sean. I mean, that's is not Batista. bad. Either. No, what? Sh- See, <laughs> now Sean hang Batista. on. I think Sean is Gamora. I think Sean. Yeah. 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 Think about it. Me and Sean have an unspoken thing. I'm obviously the Peter Quill of the group. <laughs> mm, no, see, I think I think Pete is Drax. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, Pete's Rocket. That's funny. No, 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 no. no. Okay, Phil's maybe. Rocket. Phil's Rocket. Phil is Rocket. No. I'm Rocket? Actually, no. Kale is Rocket. Kale's see, I, Rocket. No, see, I'm Peter because I have uh, daddy issues. Yeah, but... <laughs> You're right so because but... you're a monster. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, and you and Marco are cute together. Yeah, Ooh. that's yeah, yeah. You're, you're definitely Rocket, and and Phil is and Phil is unfortunately Peter Quill. <laughs> I could see I could see Phil pulling off the dance. Yeah, that's a good point. I do have his dance moves. 
Uh, you know, it's weird. I was watching that movie, and I'm thinking, like, I'm a lot, I'm a lot like Peter Quill. <laughs> 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 That's what you were thinking while you were watching the movie. Well, when he turned into a giant... Uh, spoilers here. No, so, no, no, no. But yeah, no, save wait, that for later. Well, a part where a very 80s reference happens, and I'm like, I can see myself being like that. With a bunch of celestial god powers. The fact that you... The fact that you watched the movie and thought, yeah, I'm Peter Quill, is exactly why you are Peter Quill. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Good question. So I guess you guys should start calling me Star-Lord. Wrong. More like Star-Turd. But seriously, Marco's baby group. If we we don't stop talking about this movie, I'm going to start spoiling it, so we better move on. (laughs) Marco is baby group. That's all that matters. Marco is absolutely baby group. A hundred percent agreement on that. All right. I think we I think we wrapped up everyone's pretty fast. Yeah. Like I, I don't think any of those are inaccurate. And Kale, that was a good one. Nice. Well, hell yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, that was fun. It's it's so funny because like if you had said Drax after the first movie, I'd be like, eh. But this one, I'm just like, oh man, the one liners. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So since we got through that random question so fast, I'd actually like to do another one. Uh this one I. I was inspired to do this by recent events. Uh, and the random question is, who is the worst boss in <laughs> comics? Who is the worst boss in comics? Hmm. Like, who, like, who would you hate to work for? Or the most incompetent. Phil, it's my question. Thank you. Uh, no, I'm asking. I'm asking. Oh, uh, it's a qualifier. Who, yeah, who would you hate to work for the most? Like, who is just terrible? I, I I have one. Um, go for, go for it. So in in Swamp Thing, there is a oh, wait Jesus wait here we go. <laughs> there is a character called General Sutherland, and he owns this big. Um, he owns this company, and he is constantly talking about how great his company is, how awesome the um like the the thing that they make it is, and they capture Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing escapes, and he lurks this entire facility and hunts down General Sutherland because he's the one who captured him. And ultimately, because uh, of Sutherland's vein, uh, he his entire facility is automated. He doesn't have people. He's always alone, and he controls it through machines. And ultimately, because he is alone, he can't call for help. He's old. He's frail and he's alone, and Swamp Thing ends up uh, murdering him because he's able to circumnavigate the facility and uh, like hunt him. So uh, my answer is General Sutherland. All right. Anyone else got one? I- I'll go next. I think I think I'm gonna go with Nick Fury, and not because I don't think like Nick Fury is a good leader or anything, but like you asked the question, who would be the worst boss, and like. I don't like having a boss that's, like, very hands-on, you know, who's, like, up your ass all the time. Mm. And it's like, that's Nick Fury, man. You know, it's like, he micromanages, like, crazy. And it's like, I can't handle that. Like, I don't know if I can fly in, like, Nick Fury's Avengers, you know? Yeah, that resonates with me, Pete. I feel you. So, that's my pick. Like, great leader, not for for me. Not for my managerial style. (laughs) So, I I was, like, thinking... Like, Lex Luthor came to mind, but you know what? I bet he's a pretty good boss, because I feel like he wants everyone to like him, because he's the best boss. See, yeah, I I had the same thought about, like, Tony Stark. Yeah. And then I was thinking of, like, 
J. Jonah Jameson, but I think of his relationship with Ben Eric, uh, Eric, and it's like, no, he gives a fuck about his employees. Oh, yeah. He, right. He, exactly. Like, even uh, in, what is it, Spider-Man, the first Spider-Man movie, where, like, he's willing to let the Green Goblin, like, the Green Goblin's fucking choking him, holding him over the side of a building, and he won't give him Peter's name. Yeah. So, I can't say him either. He's a great boss, uh, even though he's an asshole. Uh, who's <laughs> who's the guy from the Hulk comics that... Uh, that is in charge of like the military. Thunderbolt Ross. Ross. Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt Ross. Ross. I bet he's the worst to work for. Yeah, he's, he's like got bad. a Captain Ahab thing going on with the Hulk. You know, he seems he seems like a proper prick. That's legit. Yeah, yeah. I'd also like to yep. give honorable mention to the Kingpin. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a really yeah, good point. Remember that time we watched him bad. shut one of his employees' heads in a door? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not just that. If you ever disagree with him, I mean, he, uh... that's a pretty big one. <laughs> that's right. You know? If you ever, if you ever disagree with him, he uh... shut your head in a car door. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, uh, I yeah, I think for me, yeah, I think uh, I think Nick Fury would be pretty bad as well. Um, I don't handle authority well. Right. Yeah. So I, that's kind of my yeah, problem. So I think I think Nick Fury and like Galactus would be <laughs> a bad Galactus. One. Galactus is a yeah. great choice. He, he Galactus you know, would make you subdue. The power the power cosmic is you know dope as hell, but is it worth it? <laughs> <laughs> to be a, to be a slave wait, in wait, a herald wait. of destruction? No, I don't think so. Yeah. 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 Time out. You're more worried about Galactus being a bad boss and not the moral implication of dooming entire planets of people. Uh, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's All not right. my issue. I'm not working for him, so I mean Kale's just <laughs> Kale's just taking orders, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the current Steve Rogers, the current Captain America. Shit. Because he, <laughs> yeah, it'd be hard to uh, work under a Nazi, I guess. Yeah, he is the he's the head of Shield right now, and he's the kind of boss where you know you get this impression that he's this really great guy, and then he turns out to be a scumbag. So that's uh, I think a lot of people have had that experience with their own bosses. I have a particular boss in mind. I feel like all uh, of us have experienced that in one way yeah. or another. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I think some of our listeners probably have had this similar experience. So, for all of those people, I'm picking Captain America because bosses out there who are shitty like that, you know, uh, they remind me of Donald Trump, the worst <laughs> boss in the world. I was going to go with Chris Christie, but I mean, that's a There's that too. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> so here's the bad bosses yep just the bad bosses <sighs> that's that's great all right moving right along <laughs> uh we've got we've got quite a bit of news to tackle this week although it's all marvel i don't know if you guys noticed that but there was trying to alienate our dc listeners there, there, well you know last week last week we we at least had the the television stuff, but this week just nothing from DC. Kind of light on their part. Um, before we before we dive into that, I do want to talk about a couple of highlights 
from this week's comic books, uh, just just the releases themselves. Uh, this week sees a few big releases. This week we get Batman 22, which is part three of the Button story, which has been phenomenal so far. So if you're not reading that, I highly recommend it. Uh, if you don't necessarily care about the Watchmen stuff, that's fine. The the mystery surrounding it is very cool, and all these issues so far have been well written. So that's uh, Batman 21 and 22, and Flash 21 and 22. So they're very worth your while. I was just going to say, uh, if you want like analysis, quote-unquote analysis uh, on that, go uh, check out our sister podcast, The Long Box. And they uh, they have really great. Uh, they talk about those issues pretty in depth. Yeah, week by week. Really good. Yeah. And then um, also, please uh, check out if you did, if you missed it last week's episode, all about Tom King, who is the writer of the current Batman run. We did a special all about him, and uh, it's Tom King approved. He retweeted it, so <laughs> and he uh, and, and he liked, liked it. it. Yeah, and he liked it. So that's pretty huge. Uh, this week we also saw the release of some Image Firsts, which is pretty cool. So. Image First is an initiative where they release the first issue of one of their more popular titles at $1. So it's a very easy jumping on point. Uh, some titles that they released this week were Black Magic, which was a really good title by Greg Rucka and Nicola Scott. Killer Be Killed by Rue Baker and um, I can't remember. Sean the, Phillips. There you go. Thank you, Sean Phillips. They're a phenomenal team. They've worked a lot together. And Snot, Snot Girl. They released yeah. the Image First of Snot Girl. So definitely check that stuff out. Um, Definitely check out Snot Girl, one of me and Marco's favorite books of last year. Brian Lee O'Malley and Leslie Hung. Yeah, phenomenal. Like, I, I'm yeah, I have not read it, so I may I may check that out. Uh, Jean Grey number one, which I'm very excited about. Finally get uh, her own book. Uh, yes. Did you Did you read it, Sean? Uh, I actually haven't been to my comic store this week, which I'm pissed about, but I'm going after the show. Uh, but whether it's good or not. I'm very happy. I'm yeah. happy it exists. Kelly, Kelly, you have no thoughts about Jean Grey number one? <laughs> Phil, I, what are I'm, you trying to do? I, I'm genuinely uh, interested. I, I mean, I'm not going to pick it up because it's Jean Grey, obviously, but I, I would like to know <laughs> whether... I, legitimately, I would like to know whether or not it it's enjoyable for fans of Jean Grey. Cool. It, so it, next... Like, purely, like, uh, that's 100% genuine. I swear, <laughs> no, it sounds like thick sarcasm molasses coming out of my face but I sw- it's 100% genuine next week I'm going to return to the show and I'm going to tell you how good it was and then I'm going to buy I'm going to buy you a copy and you're going to read it sweet how does that sound free comic free comic book Saturday I'm down you'll read it though right oh probably not oh my god <laughs> anyway Monster. Last but certainly not least, Secret Empire number one released this week. All the feedback has been really positive from people who have given it a chance and aren't judging it based on the fact that they don't like Captain America being evil. Uh, Nick Spencer is handling the writing and Steve McNeven is on art duties. Whenever I think of the Marvel Universe, uh, I think of Steve McNeven's art style. He's the artist who's work i i most associate these characters with so i'm glad that he's taking uh on this series at least this portion of the series are going to have a number of artists who work on the title i can't wait to read that issue personally so i'm really excited um those are the books i i chose this week that i think are are uh high profile and worth your time there's a lot of good stuff out there so hopefully you guys picked up some of this stuff for free comic book day um 
And yeah, if you read any of this stuff, let us know what you think, especially about those Image First, because Image is doing a great job right now, and I think that they deserve a lot of your attention. So This has been Sean's Picks. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. New segment. <laughs> maybe, maybe. So, the biggest news to come out this week is we got a trailer, the first official trailer for The Defenders. Did you guys all get to check it out? Yeah. yeah it oh, is. hell it yeah. It is exciting. Yeah. It really is. Dude. <sighs> it gave me, like, it gave me Avengers level, like, goosebumps. You know, like, that first time of being like, they're all gonna be together! Like, it's, yeah. I'm just so excited. Oh, I, my dick was all about Sigourney Weaver. I mean, I've been hype about the announcement of Sigourney Weaver ever since they they said she was involved, you know? like Yeah, yeah. Like, you put Sigourney and Weaver yeah, in anything her. and I'll watch it. Yeah, no, like, no question. But I don't know, dude. Like, it was just, for me, it was, like, getting to see the first time that Luke Cage and Iron Fist meet was, like, yeah. awesome, you know? like I mean, personally, I got a thrill out of seeing Iron Fist try to punch Luke Cage and falling on his ass. Yeah. I really like that. That was so great. Also, like, That's I... That's just because you want to see Iron Fist knocked on his ass. Well... Well, yeah. A little bit. But... <laughs> But I don't know, man. For me, like, absolutely the best moment of it is the very beginning of the trailer. You know, like, that 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 interrogation scene that's happening with Jessica Jones and then just yep. Matt Murdock. Who the hell are you? I'm I'm Matt Murdock. I'm your attorney. Like, stop talking. Yep. <laughs> so Loved it. Good. Loved it. I'm, I'm, so I'm really happy that we got Misty Knight. I'm really happy that we're getting Claire Temple. These are, those two characters, honestly, are two of my favorites of all of the Netflix characters. Yeah. So they're I'm the glad two I'm they're... Mo- I was most concerned about wanting to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they're being included here. Uh, I thought that the interplay between all these characters was really good for for a trailer. Of course, you know, hopefully they're saving most of the the, the real meat. Uh, that's the impression that I got from the trailer. But the interactions seemed really good. They seem to be on point. I like that they're kind of treating Iron Fist as like this kind of weird other character. I'm sure he'll integrate himself more later on, but they all have this impression of him that he's kind of a weirdo. Um, and it felt really authentic to all of these characters, uh, the, the like how they were presented before. This feels really authentic to that. I'm not sure who's the who the showrunner is on this. I gotta I gotta look that up. I think it's someone new. I don't think it's anyone who's done any of the other shows. Really? Yeah, I might be wrong there, but. Okay, well, I'm I'm looking that up now, but I didn't get the sort of cheesy, goofy vibe that I got from the Iron Fist or the Luke Cage trailers. This felt very straightforward and, and, and good. Yeah, it feels way more in line with, like, Daredevil. That's, yeah. Yep. Aesthetically, you know? Like, it, it has a, a much darker tone to it, seemingly. That makes me wonder if it might be uh, Drew Goddard who did... Uh... Who did Daredevil? Yeah, he was the one behind both seasons of Daredevil, right? Uh, Drew Drew showrun. He was the showrunner for the second season, I believe. Uh, really? Yeah, I think and, I, I I know he was for the first. Okay, he was. So then he was for both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I was yeah. I was under the impression he came back. Um, okay. I mean, like, why wouldn't you when you nailed that first season so fucking hard? You know. Uh, any word? Who is it? Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't actually say on IMDb, which is interesting. Hmm. Maybe, maybe it's not, uh, you know, maybe we don't know yet. 
But yeah. um, and well, you know, somebody maybe somebody you know one of the pals out there can figure it out and let us know in the comments, and uh, you know, we'll give you a shout out next week for for letting us know. But um, we'll get yeah, but, we'll get you we'll get you a no prize. Yeah, uh, I, I'm I'm very excited for this. You know, I was already excited for it. You know, I mean, I made it pretty clear every time we talk about them that I I really enjoy these Marvel Netflix series. I thought all of them have been at least enjoyable. Um. So I mean, like this looks great so far, you know. Like if this is just the the tiniest little sliver, like you know, taste that we're gonna get, I can only imagine that the rest of it is really high quality, you know, because some of these beats were already like really awesome. Yeah, like absolutely. that that scene in the hallway where they all like were fighting together. I was like, <laughs> oh shit, we got our hallway scene, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like uh, the one scene we also got with like Jessica Jones and Daredevil, where he's got the freaking like ski hat pulled over his face and she's like you look like an idiot <laughs> and and his line to that is it's your scarf yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so good i'm just i'm very excited man i you know I, I really feel like like these characters are gonna vibe together really really well and it's gonna just be you know superhero team-ups are fun you know, like a good superhero team up where there's not a lot of like baggage and pretense is like that's what's fun about Guardians. And I feel like this can definitely be that, but a little bit darker, a little bit more, you know, street level New York grit. But like, that's great. Like, that's my favorite kind of superhero story. So I'm I'm really excited for this. Yeah, honestly, uh, I, I wasn't so sure how excited I was after... I, I just finished Luke Cage recently, and obviously Iron Fist as well. So I was, you know, I wasn't so sure. And for me, it was really based around who was gonna be the showrunner because if it was gonna be the person who did Iron Fist, or the person who did Luke Cage, I was like a little worried. Now that I know, uh, it's it's actually um, Douglas Petrie and Marco Ramirez. Uh, they were the people who actually who actually were the showrunners from Daredevil. Um, it's the second season, so uh, yeah. What um, what's his name wasn't wasn't a part of it. Um, oh, so he was only season one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So so they did a phenomenal job with season two. Season two, they were they were uh, juggling multiple characters. You had Elektra. You had three Punisher. different storylines, even. Right, and I and I I'm a big fan of season two of Daredevil. So if they were able to pull that off there i don't see any reason why they can't pull it off here i agree and like i i also think a big part of the success of this is going to be like how strong the cast is you know because like a story like this like ultimately like they're gonna fight the hand they're gonna beat the hand and that's they're gonna tie up the storyline right like i that really almost doesn't fucking matter you know like i feel like throughout uh, like a lot of people have been saying like, oh, I'm so ready for this hand stuff to be over. Like I'm done, whatever. And it's like, it almost is like secondary to me. It's like, I almost don't care what they're dealing with. It's like, you know, the, the real meat of something like this for me is the character interaction. And like the little bit we've seen of that, it was really good. So these are actors are all like, I think do an excellent job of portraying these characters. You know, we all agree that, you know, Iron Fist is kind of a weak link, I think among them but um even so like i think the way that our overall impressions of danny as a character coming out of iron fist seem present in like the way that they're interacting with him in this trailer and i think he's gonna play off the rest of them really well so like 
I, I don't know. I, I think we have every every reason to be excited for this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Electra, how about Electra? We see that she's yeah, she's yeah. being brought back, and and assumedly she's going to be used as a weapon of the hand, right? So that's that's pretty cool and exciting. I'm assuming she's going to like if this season. Do we know how long this is? It's shorter than all the other ones, right? It's like a mini series. It is a mini series. Uh, it's I think it, it's like six or eight episodes or yeah. something. So that's I think great. Like I think I'm really excited to see. Like I, I feel like we can all agree that like say for Daredevil, probably every other one of these shows would be better if it was like one or two episodes shorter. And like it's going to be really exciting to see what they do with that limitation. But I, I'm, I'm assuming Electra is going to be kind of the like first arc antagonist, and then they'll like rescue her or whatever or she'll die and then we'll move on to the actual threat of taking out the, the hand whoever is like you know i guess i guess assumingly sigourney weaver at the top somehow right yeah yeah i mean it's interesting because we don't even we don't exactly know what we don't exactly know what sigourney weaver's role is necessarily because like you know, i have she's... a hard time thinking she's a part of the hand or that she's like the really? leader of the hand you really think they're gonna have a white lady be the leader of the hand? That's that's yeah, exactly so. my thought. Yeah. Like I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, I think she's gonna be like a weird god creature in the hand, dude. Maybe oh. that, that I could see. Yeah. yeah. All right. Okay. We talked about this a few a uh, few episodes ago, but uh, I'll buy that. I forget what it's called, but there's like a uh, there's like a big demon creature of the hand. Okay. And. I think that's going to be who she's playing. That'd be cool. You think Sigourney Weaver is playing a demon? Basically, I could fuck yeah. with that. <laughs> that's what she was in. Uh, 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 fuck, what was that movie? Cabin in the Woods, and and that worked. So yeah, Beast. It's called the Beast. Okay. Yeah, I think I might have. I've actually seen that in the comics before. I believe is that is that the is that the one that possesses uh, Daredevil in? Uh, is it Shadowland? Uh, I think so, yeah. But it's a demon that's worshipped by uh, the Hand. Okay. And I'm thinking that's who it is. And that's probably going to play in with, uh, oh boy, the Grey Mist or whatever it was in the first season of Daredevil and uh, Elektra. Yeah. All right. Okay. Cool. Well, we don't have to wait too long for that series. We're going to get it in August. So, I I mean, this is awesome. August is shaping up to be... I, (laughs) I know, right? Uh, for me, between between that and the Dark Tower, which just got a trailer this week as well, I couldn't be any more excited for August coming along the way. But soon enough, we'll be sitting here reviewing the Defenders. Dude, I'm so excited because, like, to pull the curtain back, I like we agreed that we wanted to do like a month of Defenders content, like special episodes about all the like members and stuff. And it's like I can't wait to like go back and like talk about Alias and shit like that. You know, like, ah. Uh. It's gonna be awesome. I'm 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 ready for the fucking Daredevil episode. Yeah, dude, read some fucking. I'm, I'm going. I'm going back. I'm reading the whole '80s run, man. Like the beginning of the dark, brooding Catholic stuff. <laughs> was it Was it this stuff? I just got it in the mail. Hell yeah! Marco is holding up Daredevil: Born Again uh, for those of you who can't see this because this is oh, not a right. video podcast. <laughs> we gotta stop doing audio or visual gags or like actually start. Give putting out the video. <laughs> Listen, I just reread Born Again, and it's amazing. It's one of the best books I've ever read. 
But you haven't yeah, read Swamp it, Thing, so... Mm. I don't want to read Swamp Thing. Oh, uh, so then you're not going to experience the best book ever, so uh, period, done. <laughs> uh, yikes. Uh, yikes, okay. boys. Uh, yikes. So, <laughs> we all agree that we are excited for the Defenders. Swamp Thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> not Swamp Thing. I, yes. got, I got sidetracked. Uh, <laughs> I know how Marco always feels. But what about this? What about this? Are we, are we equally more or less excited for inhumans which less. we just saw we just we just saw the the initial image released by entertainment weekly which showcases the five main members of the inhumans uh we've got black bolt we've got medusa we've got crystal we've got karnak we've got gorgon and maximus i'm um, i'm negative 100% excited for this yeah, it's weird. It's weird that Marvel's going uh, so full throttle for a porn parody. Like, I, I never would have put that, you know, past Disney. I, I thought they were a family company. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Uh, friend of the show, we've talked about it a couple of times. Uh, Brian Del Pozo, he's uh, a comics writer as well, and uh, he made the joke that like this, the cast straight up looks like if Pornhub was making a parody of the 2000 X Men movie, and like that's. That's all I need to say. Like, Black Bolt doesn't even have a mask. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't know. It just looks, it looks shoddy. Like, Halloween yeah. costume level. Yeah. Uh. Well, the, the internet has been ablaze with memes uh, making fun of this this image. I feel, I feel kind of bad for them because, you know, I, they've really, they've really been putting this inhuman stuff on a pedestal. They're releasing the first two episodes in IMAX in theaters. Uh, so they obviously have high hopes for this series. And this first image, I mean, you know, it just didn't light the world on fire. I got to be honest. Uh, you know, Medusa doesn't look particularly Medusa like, uh, you know, her hair is supposed to be, you know, wild and, and, and almost unruly. And that's like, that's her power. It's and that's orange. not really represent. And, yeah. and it looks like a helmet. Yeah. yeah. It looks like a helmet. It's, it's not well represented. Uh, Black Bolt, uh, he, he, without his helmet, he just doesn't look right. He doesn't look like Black Bolt. Like no, Black Bolt. looks like a like a weird adventure, like some knockoff adventure kind of dude. Yeah, like, dude. It's just it's like I don't know. Black Bolt has a very distinctive look. It's one of the problems that I have with a lot of comic book adaptations, and I thought that Marvel was beyond this, but they look sterile. They they look like I actually last night was showing my girlfriend what they look like in the comics. And it's it's just totally different. Like they they look much more interesting when you look at the images that are drawn by the amazing artists uh, than they do here. And a lot of that has to do with their costumes. You know, some of it is some of it is the actors, right? Some of it is the fact that this is just a still image, but they just don't look that interesting. You know, it's just the difference, man. Of like, you know. When we saw the still of the Defenders for the first time, like, it looks like the Defenders, you know? Like, you could show that to someone who hasn't seen those shows and be like, yup, that's the Defenders, you know? Like, if they know those characters. And, like, this doesn't look like the Inhumans, you know? Like, even as someone who hasn't read a ton of Inhumans, like, I've read enough of them to know, like... Like, I remember looking at it and be like, that's Black Bolt and Medusa? Okay! <laughs> like, I, it's just... It just looks shoddy, man. Like, it's... This is not a vote of confidence for me. You know, like, I was already not particularly interested in this show because I just, I'm not a huge Inhumans fan. Like, they're fine. I would give it a shot, but, like, this is definitely, like, eh, pass. That image, 
that image is lacking Lockjaw, who's the big bulldog of the Inhumans. If there's no Lockjaw, there's no business, baby. I mean, like, yeah, and it sucks that it seems like we're not going to get him. Like, that we are He's, he's in the show. Oh, he is in the show? Yeah. So why the fuck isn't he in this image? I have no idea. I just want a giant fucking bulldog. So it's like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, like, what you said, Sean, like, sterile. is the, It just, it doesn't look right. It doesn't look like the Inhumans. I have no, like, Black Bolt's a king, right? I I get no indication that he's a king in this image. I would have loved to have seen him sitting on a throne. Yeah. Uh, with Lockjaw at his side, Medusa behind him, her hair kind of covering the area surrounding him. You know, like, they didn't they didn't try at all to showcase the the sort of personalities and such of these characters in any way. It looked like a Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. promo with, like, the metal background and everything on it. Yeah. There's just no fanfare. Like, it's, there's no, like, there's no personality in this image. There's no, it just doesn't look, like, particularly, like, interesting, you know? Yeah. And, like, the Inhumans are crazy and cool. You know, like, they're, like, such, such a comic booky property. It's, like, weird that it feels so whatever, so blasé. Absolutely. Um, I will say, though, that I am excited for the fact that Maximus, Maximus the Mad, uh, is going to be sort of the villain of this series. And in, in the comics, he's a frequent antagonist of Black Bolt because he's always trying to plot a rebellion or he's always, you know, trying to do something behind his brother's back, similar to Loki and Thor, their relationship. So I'm excited that they're that they're staying true to that and that that's kind of the first or what appears to be the first major story arc of the show. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. It gives me kind of like a Game of Thrones vibe. Um, this image did not quell my excitement, honestly, even though it doesn't look great. I'm a fan of the Inhumans and I, I'm, I'm trying my best to recognize this is one still image that doesn't necessarily reflect the quality of the show. We don't get to see Medusa's hair all wild and I'm, and I know they're going to do that on the show. I'm excited for, uh, Ken Lung's portrayal of, uh, Karnak. I really love that character. And Black Bolt's one of my favorite heroes. I'm giving this show a chance. Yeah, that was one thing I had to learn with uh, the the Flash series is I uh, at at the first the very first image I really loved uh, Grant Gustin's costume, but then like in the still images we got before the pilot aired, it looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, so and, and even uh, even with Daredevil, I felt the same way. Uh, so I will just have to wait and see. To be honest, I deliberately didn't watch The Flash because those initial images turned me off so much that I just couldn't I just couldn't watch it. See, and it's one of my favorite costumes. I think it's one of the most well-done costumes in uh comic books right now. So, yeah, I mean, it, 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 your mileage may vary with all these kind of things, right? And a Flash show, I guess just wasn't important enough for me to look past it, but this I I I just really want this to work. It's a property it you care about. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, speaking of Marvel, there's more Marvel news. Uh, <laughs> this, this week is all Marvel everything. So, a lot of people are very unhappy about Secret Empire, and a lot of Captain America quote-unquote fans are very unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> They're very unhappy about his uh, heel turn in comics. And uh. so, Marvel is now pleading with them to pause and let the story play out 
So they provided ABC News with a statement uh, saying, basically giving away the ending of Secret Empire in the most non-newsworthy piece of news of all time. Here's the quote. With Marvel Comics' Secret Empire, the forces of Hydra have taken over and, due to the villainous actions of the Red Skull, have manipulated Marvel's greatest hero, Captain America, and forced him to adopt their cause. At Marvel, we want to assure all of our fans that we hear your concerns about aligning Captain America with Hydra, and we politely ask you to allow this story to unfold before coming to any conclusions. What you will see at the end of the, at the, end of the journey is that his heart and soul, his core values not his muscle or his shield, are what saved the day against Hydra and will further prove that our heroes will always stand against oppression and show that good will always triumph over evil. Jesus fucking Christ. So, apparently, people are so angry and Marvel has gotten so much flack that they now have to come out ahead of this whole thing months and months and months before the end of the series. We, we only just got the first issue. And tell fans, hey guys, calm down. In the end, Captain America's gonna be a good guy. As if you've never read a fucking comic before. Oh wait, you haven't! Right. <laughs> right. Oh my god. Like, just read the book, or don't, and get over it. Like, come on, man. Like... You don't have to buy it. You just, you just don't. If you're a fan of Captain America and you can't accept the fact that he's going through some things, uh... Too bad, you know. Drop the book. Like it's, it's gonna, not that big it's of a deal. It's obviously gonna be undone. Like comic book status quo is never changed that much. They're not gonna make Captain America a Nazi forever. Like relax. Like if you don't like it, fine. But like at least read it. At least give it a shot before you you know jump on your pedestal and scream about it. Yeah, this is. I've never. I I can't remember a time in my at least in my history of reading uh, comics where something like this has happened. You had Civil War where uh, Iron Man created a clone of Thor that then went on to kill uh, a friend of theirs, Goliath. And then he and then him and Captain America fought basically to the death and people were upset. But there was way less sort of outrage over that than there is this Um, Norman Osborn basically ran the Marvel Universe at some point. You know, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, man, it's just like comic books are an interesting point in their history right now where I feel like attention around them is like at uh, a high point in a way it hasn't been in a really long time, but people don't but more people don't read comics. You know? Yeah. Like they're like dwindling numbers of people actually reading them, but everyone's talking about them. Absolutely. In fact, uh Sales are down. This this uh this month, right? Sales are down from last year at this same time. Right? So less people are reading comics than they were last year, at least um at least, you know, this month, or I should say for the month of April. Um so actually here's an article from Ruzarama, since we're talking about it anyway. Uh 13% sales dropped. Comic book sales dropped 13% in April. So sales are down across the board, but people who don't even read the books are taking the opportunity to comment on what Marvel is doing. Hey, if you don't if you don't like it, then why are you talking about it? Why are you giving it publicity? If it's so bad, 
Why are you talking about it? I don't understand. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, I think we've touched upon it uh, this before, but it always kind of goes back to what Pete says. It's like it's an outrage kind of thing. You know, people just they want to make noise about it. Um, we've and uh, Sean, we've discussed it also, like with America. <clears throat> excuse me, like with America, um, people kind of cover the big news items and then the they headline. Just kind of, the headline, yeah, and then like that's it. You know, there's no there's no substance to what there's no substance or value to what these people are saying or are commenting on and i think the just going back to like what marvel did i don't think marvel should have addressed this they should have just kind of ignored it let it be because for them to to have to appease to these people like come on like get over yourself guys you know you you just read it if you don't like it like just drop it like whatever yeah, speak with, speak with your wallet. You know, speak with your wallet. If you don't like yeah, the comic, yeah. don't buy the comic. Yeah, like, and, you know, less people are reading about, less people are reading, less people are buying, but we're getting more just anger out of it. We're getting more coverage of it, and it's just, I don't know, it's getting, it's it's frustrating. It's, like, uh, exhausting. As, <laughs> yeah, as, as a... As all of us, you know, we're, we're all comic book readers, so it's kind of, it's an, at least for me, it's annoying to have to hear about this kind of stuff when you're just trying to enjoy a book for its story, for, for the art. Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with, so, you know, I brought this up before, but with Civil War, there was a lot of debate and discussion on the forums about the, the motivations and the actions of the characters, right? And so there's nothing wrong with people having conversations about what the characters are doing. Uh, in the, within the context of the books. But now, you know, when you're talking about a difference of about 10, 11 years, now people have this idea that instead of commenting on the books themselves, they need to go over the books and comment on the publisher, right? So now it's or not... Or the creator. Right. Now it's not about, well, uh, you know, Captain America, you know, he would never do this. It's about Marvel has jumped the shark or Marvel doesn't care about Captain America fans or Marvel is too interested in talking about politics, you know? Yeah. Like all of a sudden Marvel's become this great big, you know, uh, uh, ultra good guy company when it, I mean, they're just a company. They're looking for money. They're looking for buzz. Well, it's like, like, they're also just trying to tell a story, man. You know, and it's like, yeah. it, there's nothing, like, not every story needs to be what you think it should be. You know, like, that's, that's I think, the big problem I see with it is, like, it, it, it really, like, to pull an example from, like, the world of video games, it, it reminds me of, like, the outrage around the end of, like, Mass Effect 3, where it was, like, what happened to the time where, like, when something, if you didn't like something, you just didn't like it. You know, you didn't try to start a campaign to make it go away. You know, or for them to apologize or for them to, you know, you know, whatever, whatever it is. You know, it's like I feel like people have this axe to grind and like they feel like they're owed something, you know, like that, like Marvel owes them something for telling a Captain America story that they didn't like or that, you know, Spencer owes them something because, you know, they don't appreciate the way he's writing Captain America. And it's it's ridiculous. Exactly. You don't have to like 
Nick Spencer as a human. You don't have to care about his politics. All of that stuff should be separate from what happens in the comics. They're not, they're not related. Um, his, his opinions politically don't necessarily, like, He's not a Nazi in real life. He's not Hydra in real life. He doesn't think that that stuff is good. But he's writing Captain America that way to tell a story. Well, so a lot of why people can't... are acting like he does. You know, it's like, oh, he's writing exactly. about this. So obviously, he's like a fucking Nazi sympathizer. And it's like, all right, that's guys. In, that's like, insane. Where, like, where would you even get that from? You it's know? like he's writing fiction. It's like he's writing about superheroes. Does that make him a superhero? Right. <laughs> of course not, right? But, uh, yeah, so... It's pretty unfortunate that Marvel felt the need to backpedal this much and kind of do their best to assuage fans. I think we wouldn't have gotten the Marvel Legacy announcement so early because we talked about that uh, last week, I believe. I don't think we would have gotten that so early if it wasn't for all this outrage. I don't think they would have talked so much about Marvel Generations if it wasn't for this outrage. They're doing their best to put out fires. And the unfortunate reality is that this it's it's obvious what they're doing, and I don't think that that necessarily works. Yeah, man. I mean, they have an uphill battle right now. You know, we've been kind of like talking about this for the last couple of weeks at this point, just because it keeps coming up. But you know, it's like Marvel's in a tough spot, and like I understand their desire to try and shovel some of the shit off their doorstep, but in the same breath like i don't i don't think they're handling it the right way in a lot of ways i think i don't think this is a great move like this isn't going to assuage anyone's rage like people are still going to be like flipping out about it and all it does is to the people that were giving them a chance you know like like it, it just seems like uh like you're like you don't you're not standing by the story as much cuz you're trying to make apologies for it yeah so we're going to we're going to end the news with something really really good, something that I think we're all probably very happy to hear. So Rocket Raccoon has become so popular that the creator of the character Bill Mantlo was able to move out of a nursing home and buy a house. Uh oh so my this god, is, that's amazing. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, so um He's been living in a nursing home since he was injured in a hit-and-run incident 25 years ago. Uh, He was hit by a car while rollerblading and was diagnosed with a closed-head traumatic brain injury, which left him with permanent brain damage. Uh, According to his brother, Bill has never recovered the cognitive skills that were stolen from him. So, you know, this dude's been living a harsh life uh, recently. And recently, yeah, 25 years, a long time. Yeah. Um, So a campaign was actually started before the release of the first Guardians of the Galaxy film uh, to raise money for his treatment, along with awareness for his role in creating one of the biggest breakout stars of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. The campaign was championed by many industry professionals, particularly writer Greg Pak, and Mantlo received an early viewing of the film at his nursing home, giving it a big thumbs up. So now, um, according to Mantlo, Marvel negotiated and agreed to a very nice compensation package for the rights to use Bill's characters. And that's according to Mike Mantlo, who is Bill's brother. Um, The deal also may include Cloak and Dagger, who are getting their show on Freeform uh, really soon. So because of this deal. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, he, he did a lot. So because of this deal. Um, Bill's brother, Mike, is preparing to move Bill out of the nursing home and into a brand new house next door 
to Mike and his wife. So that's that that's phenomenal. Dude, that, like, that's really great. Yeah, like I, this. That's, that's shit I like to hear. Yeah, man. Like that's the kind of story that really warms your heart. You know, like especially because, like, frankly, like Marvel didn't have to do that. You know, like the way that their like agreements with people work is like they don't really owe him anything. So like, it's cool that they, you know, like honored this. You know, like I mean, push. I'm, I mean, I guess. But I also I'm not saying that like, like it's he like, also created the characters. Yeah, so, I mean they sort of did. I'm not saying that it's right that that's the way that it works. But when you do work for hire, you do work for hire. You know, so it's like it's it's really cool that this was effective. Like that this campaign worked because like you see a lot of stuff like this. You know, like the comic book defense league and stuff like that. Um, and like like these people are doing really important work. You know, because it's it's not right that you know somebody who created a character that is so beloved and that is generating so much money is like living in a nursing home, you know? It's like, this is beautiful. You know, like, thank God, you know, it's great. The comics book defense league. What is that? Well, you haven't heard about that. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, um, it's a, a, like a legal, uh, organization that, uh, helps defend like the, the rights of creators and stuff. Uh, so go ahead. Sorry, no, you go ahead. It sounded like you were going to actually add an intelligent answer. Uh, so it's the comic book it's the comic book league defense fund. The comic book legal defense fund. Sorry. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and everything else that Kale said was accurate. I just wanted to clarify on the name. Uh, they essentially champion the rights of these these writers and and artists and and creators in general. They do a lot of things like for example on on their webpage right now um, they have signed deluxe editions of uh, Volume One of Saga by Brian K. Vaughn that are available for auction, uh, and then that money goes. The proceeds of, of these auctions goes to these creators who are struggling. Yeah, uh, so they, they they raise money for these creators, but then they also provide them with like free legal counsel or like yeah, that's cool. Uh, will like litigate on their behalf if they like need money. Like um like again like someone in this scenario, it's like very often. You know, this creator who, you know, has made characters that are making generating millions of dollars of income and they're totally destitute, you know, and like living like, you know, in a nursing home or, or like in assisted living or something like that. And um, it's usually to get them residuals. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is this is a huge ethical subject. Uh, and both Marvel and DC have come under a lot of scrutiny for this topic over the last, I don't know. 60 years. I mean, forever. Because, like, even yeah. uh, Siegel and Schuster have, like, sued DC, like, five or six times to get more money for well, Superman. Well, not, not originally. Their, their families have, but, like, originally... They themselves did it living... two or three times as well, though. Well, be, well, Neil Adams, like, notably, like, had to step up and, like, use, like, the Cartoon Alliance to, like, help get these guys proper compensation because these guys were living like paupers for their adult lives. And, you know, it's just not right. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. were just talking at the beginning of the episode about the, the whole Bob Kane, Bill Finger thing. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and go ahead. I was going to say, it's good to see a, a corporation finally stepping up to take care of one of their own. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's like you guys are saying, it's an ongoing issue. And I hope that this is something that 
we can see more of in the future because these creators especially i don't know how much of an issue this is for the the, the current creators um but we're seeing a lot of these older generation creators who you know created these characters that we know and love today just not you know not in, in many cases not living well like they're not all stanley you know they're not all as well known as stanley they're not as revered as stanley a lot of them create these amazing characters and then we forget about them and you know they in my opinion they deserve to be recognized and supported by the people who love their work yeah and and, and like and i think it's really important to give shout outs to creators like greg pock who are around now who champion these people you know who are the yes. ones out there being like you don't know this person's name but like they're the reason that i write the comics that you like you know so yep. like you know give them you know their their credit you know um absolutely yeah like, there's greg's a great guy yeah absolutely you know and uh this is the thing that like you said like brian k vaughn is is very like uh involved in this kind of stuff as well um a lot of creators are but yeah it's 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 a it's a a cause that I definitely am I'm very uh, strongly in favor of. I've donated money to them a couple times. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, I think that's now that we're we're, we're on the Guardian subject. We talked about Rocket Raccoon. I think now is a great time to dive into our review of the film Guardians of the Galaxy sure. Volume Two. All Come five and of us get your love. <laughs> <laughs> All five of us had the opportunity to check out the movie, and um, so we're going to have a, a spoiler-free conversation here in the early goings, and then we'll dive into the full spoiler deal uh, just a few minutes after that. So we'll give you the signal if you haven't seen the movie and want to jump off. That's perfectly acceptable, um, but hang out with us for a little bit while we just give you our spoiler-free impressions of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So anybody want to kick us off with their thoughts? I do. Go ahead, Phil. Well, real quick, I mentioned this in our chat that we have but going into the movie they actually gave digital downloads for guardians of the galaxy comic books which uh we've talked about a lot in this show like how the industry could help proliferate more readership and uh that seems like a good spot as any to pass out free digital downloads absolutely it's unfortunate yeah. they didn't do that with the first movie because they had like relaunched the guardians when that was coming out yeah but um yeah. i mean yeah that's brilliant that's yeah, cool. the digital, yeah, the digital downloads for like Rocket and Groot and like oh, cool. Guardians of the Galaxy number one. That's great. Yeah, um, so, yeah. Marco, do yeah, you have yeah, a yeah. do you have an opinion on that? That seems like something that would be up your alley. No, that's a. I think it's a smart move. I didn't know they were doing stuff like that. Um, was that like Phil? Was that at your movie theater, or was that something that they were doing on their website? Like, yeah, it was at a Regal. Oh, okay. So maybe, maybe it was a partnership with like a, a Regal thing. I don't know. Yeah, because I I personally didn't get that. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, same here. But um, general thoughts: the movie is really enjoyable. Uh, Kurt Russell is really really good. Uh, he killed the, it. The yeah. Break it, the the best part of the movie is Drax. Batista is amazing. <laughs> yeah, what a performance from him, man! Like <laughs> he was good in the first movie, but he I thought he really was like. A breakout character in this one, you know. What's ironic yeah. is I had to go poop really bad, which is classic, and I apparently missed his best joke, which was about poops. <laughs> yeah. Oh right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so I, I for for me, this movie was this movie was very, very, very enjoyable. Uh, I don't know if it was as good as the first one. A lot of the feedback that the movie has gotten has been consistent with that idea that it's not as good as Volume One, but that it is still very good. In fact, Rotten Tomatoes uh, has it at a an eighty one percent as far as reviews That's and an eighty nine percent. As far as uh, audience score, that that sounds appropriate to me, uh, and sort of reflects how I feel about it. I think I enjoyed the characters overall in this film more than I did the first time, uh, and that tends to be the case with me in sequels because you have more room to explore the the dynamics and and things like that um, than you do in in typically than you do in first films. Uh, I thought Ego was a much much stronger villain than. Ronan, um, and his connection to to Peter Quill, you know, really strengthened his presence uh, because of we we knew how important he was. It's it's one thing to say, oh well, he's you know he's this grand character and all the things that that make him what he was, um, and that's very cool. But it's not necessarily something that we can all connect to, you know. But to say, well, he's he's Peter's father, that you know, really sort of brings it home and makes it something relatable. Did, did you guys know who Ego was prior to the movie? Yes. yes. Okay. Because I, I didn't. So like I kind of went in blind on that. But I'll I'll talk about that later. Talk about that in the end or in the yeah, yeah, yeah. section. Um, cool. So go ahead, Pete. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just wanted to say, like, I definitely agree with everything you're saying so far. One of the things I really liked about uh, Ego 2 was how it facilitated. Like, I thought this film was really beautifully shot. Like it, it was like the the direction of it in a lot of ways I thought was really solid. Um, the framing of a lot of the like just there was a lot of moments that I thought were framed really well, and like the the environments that we had access to because of uh, the setting were a lot of times really interesting. There was a lot more color than you tend to see in, um, especially in sci fi stuff. You know, like a lot of the Marvel stuff has a pretty good color palette, and like they are very no, vibrant. Um, like Marco, you're so wrong. Like compared to like They're... most other blockbusters, like the... what, what? Oh, wait, wait, sorry. I thought you meant like Marvel movies in general have. Is that what you were saying? I'm saying that most of them have a better. They have a more vibrant color palette than like other contemporary like blockbuster films. No, that's wrong. Okay, sorry. Well, oh, oh, do you mean because they don't use orange <laughs> and blue? Yeah, like literally every DC movie is just blue. The entire thing's blue. I mean, the their their color palettes are if if you if you look like side by side comparisons with let's say um the Avengers, Captain America, uh the the Hulk stuff, it's all this really washed out gray. There's very little uh, the Iron Man stuff, it's all like there's just this gray theme that is undercut throughout all these movies. I, w- I do agree that this movie compared to other others is so much more vibrant and yeah. compared to sci-fi movies is way more colorful. But I think, I think overall, like that's the issue with the Marvel movies and this one sticks out in that regard. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it's not, it's not as bland. Like, yeah, it's, it's the first Marvel movie that wasn't Dr. Strange that I remember like thinking about, Oh, this was actually shot. Well, you know, like, well, I guess that's not true. I, Avengers has like good moments, but I, like it's not it's not like memorable for its like cinematography in the way that I think this movie is. 
Um, like just specifically, like some of the landscape moments and stuff like that, I thought were really nice. And um, yeah, I mean, like I definitely agree with Sean's earlier sentiment too of like it. It's just like a perfect sequel movie, you know. Like sequels, I think, are generally not as good as the first movie. You know, like, I think that's like a kind of accepted rule. And like it, it just it feels like more of the same, but like that's fine. You know, like Guardians was a lot of fun. Well, yeah, and I think that kind of goes into what I what I my general feeling about this film is uh like Guardians, I think we needed to set up the greater cosmic universe. But with Guardians 2, we we got the we got the chance to to tell us a smaller story and like yes. as big as the scope was like it was still really small yeah and it like, was something that you can that you can get behind and you can relate to on some level yeah because it's like the universe was at stake but it didn't really feel that way like the whole movie you know like that that only becomes yeah. apparent at the end you know like it, it feels like a very like personal like it's a father-son story at its core you know yeah yeah it's a it's a general story about family and and the dysfunction of families and how in in our modern day the 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 traditional family doesn't look the way it did you know years ago this is this is very much about a family that doesn't look the way you would imagine one would look um in for a lot of reasons because most families don't have a talking raccoon in them but also just the personality dynamics uh and and, I, and that was something that really clicked for me towards the end and that i really really appreciated and it having that core it very much felt like what i was hoping the most recent fantastic four movie would feel like in terms of you know that wasn't a traditional family um i wanted to get that same vibe of hey this isn't this isn't what families are quote-unquote supposed to be but this is what families are and i didn't get that Guardians 2 very much gave me that impression, and I was very thankful for it. Yeah, I agree. I don't know, dude. The movie definitely is like a modern family. The show Modern Family has a talking raccoon, has a giant Batista, <laughs> and has a baby tree. A giant Batista. <laughs> is that twice the That's size a of a normal Batista? Or Absolutely. <laughs> so... Before we before we dive into the uh, oh Marco you didn't get to say, say your thoughts on the film did you? Um, overall I thought it was enjoyable. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it stood out as much as maybe like the first one. I think I we'll get into it later. But I think the since you guys sort of came in knowing who who Ego was, um, I I think maybe you guys reacted differently to. You guys were probably a little more clear as to who the characters were and what might have happened or what might be happening later on. Like I had, I had no idea what ego was, so like everything was just kind of a slow reveal for me, and for and then in the end, it didn't pay off for me. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, it was it was fun, um, but I'm not gonna say it was like it didn't knock it out of the park for me. I think that's a fair assessment, though. You know, it's like, I think um, what I said on social media after walking out of the movie was like, I think that this movie was everything that Avengers 2, like, could have and should have been. And, like, that's the thing is, like, it like it reminds me of like something like Ghostbusters 2 or, like, the you know, the second Back to the Future movie. It's like, yeah, of course it's not as good as the first one. Like, it's it can't be. Like, the first one was new and fresh and unique and it had something new to say. 
And like this movie is definitely not that. It's an extension of something that's like already established and that's kind of comfortable and familiar to us now. And then it tries to like make a point about something else using these characters. And like I think it, you know, in terms of like like what Sean said, I think the overall narrative about like family and friendship and, and what all that means is like it works because you like these characters, they're likable and they play well together. And I think, like, in a lot of ways, because of that, it feels more like a comic to me. Like, this feels like an arc of, like, a Guardians of the Galaxy comic, where it's, like, every arc isn't going to be this big, major, like, you know, like, set everybody up and push them forward in these major ways. Like, sometimes you just get an arc that's just a story, you know? And, like, this was a big story for Peter, and he had the support of his friends. And because of that, it was a story for the Guardians. Two things. One... It's what Avengers 2 should have been. It's what Avengers should have been in the sense that it was a good movie. Phil, two, shut the fuck up. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and two, uh, I, I actually was watching the movie thinking the same thing. I was like, this feels like a this feels like a comic book story arc in that it's it's pretty good. It's completely enjoyable. And like, like it doesn't feel overly epic. I yeah, right. I, I wouldn't read this comic. You don't like Whoa. superheroes, Margo. Like... <laughs> <laughs> just because it didn't have a swamp monster in it doesn't mean you saying it you had Groot though you saying that you won't read a comic is like all that means is it's published by Marvel or DC and it stars superheroes <laughs> like, pretty much so before we do dive into the spoiler uh, conversation I want to ask one last question who was everyone's favorite character coming out of the movie without you know, saying what your favorite moment necessarily was with that character. All right. So for me, uh, in both movies, it's absolutely Batista. Batista is amazing. It's not his name, uh, Bill. So, so, so Drax. <laughs> Drax the Destroyer. So Batista was excellent. But <laughs> in, in this movie, Yondu is incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yondu yep. was great in this movie. He had like a really meaningful... Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Mm, I'll take that one. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that's actually grab. I don't even know if I would have went there, but yeah, I think that is probably the pick for me. Also, Michael Rooker is a G. Like he's a great actor. I love him. So I think like the MVP three is uh, Batista, uh, Ego, and Yondu. Ego is a good villain. Yeah, I. So. I, for me, the the character that I came out of the theater loving the most was Rocket, because Rocket Rocket had uh, an arc in this film that I thought he, he felt like the leader in a lot of ways. He felt like the guy who kind of has to make the tough choices. He felt like he you know he he fit that kind of mold, but he was also very much in pain and. I really, I really felt his his pain throughout this film, and and you know by the end of it, just I don't know, I just cared about him a lot more than I did in the first one. In the first one, in the first one, I was kind of like, oh, this is a little annoying, um, but this time around, I just I don't, know, I fell in love with him. And uh, regarding ego, I want to say ego is the most well rounded and most well developed villain since Loki. For the movies, yeah, I agree. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that seems totally reasonable. Definitely. I uh 
yeah, I'd like to just kind of address the 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 Gamora Nebula relationship a little bit. I really enjoyed that was really good too. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed getting more substance out of that than we did the first one. I agree. My only issue with that, and this is actually something I want to kind of. I would love to transition this into the spoilers from here because this gets into spoiler territory, but it's not. Okay. It's like right up against it. Um, my All right, spoilers. My major. Yeah. Well, okay. hold on, hold on, wait. Okay, so if so, we're about to dive into spoilers. Uh, let me if just you... yeah. Let me just answer the question real quick, and then we can go get ahead. Into yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I really like the the Gamora Nebula uh, re- resolution. I, I loved Ego, um, Kurt Russell as Chris Pratt's dad is casting gold like. That's just fucking amazing. Uh, and then uh, I think, like, I th- I think I, and this may not be that much of a surprise, but I, I, I came out liking Star-Lord a lot more than the first one. Uh, not that I did, not that I disliked him. And I do agree uh, with everything else that's been said. I really enjoyed Rocket's arc. Really, really enjoyed Yondu's arc. Uh, and I think I really think the culmination of all of that comes out through Star Lord uh, you know, and Kale, Peter Quill, and so it's interesting because you didn't like Peter Quill at first, and you didn't like me at first, but now you love both of them. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I would say there's a disconnect there, probably right about the the space of air where you compared yourself to Peter Quill. That's. Uh, <laughs> You know what? Uh, Another MVP shout out is Peter Quill's facial hair in this movie. Was well, pretty good. It's fucking dope. Okay, so we are gonna transition into. Well, wait, these... I oh. want to make this last All point because right. it's it's spoiler adjacent. Like I said, like this is my my one overall criticism of the movie. Um, is like I think James Gunn definitely seemed to try and give everyone their own arc, you know, on some level. And I think that led to the movie feeling a little disjointed. Yeah, it was a little unbalanced. Um, yeah, and I, I think like because of that, the pacing feels a little off. Um, and it's like it's a very linear story, so I don't think it's a huge problem. But like because everything is so individualized on some level, like like the whole Gamora thing, right? I thought that was great, but I feel like Gamora as a character was really underserved in this movie because of that relationship. Yeah, yeah. I agree. You know, it was like yeah. her her relationship with her sister was so encompassing of her narrative that I really didn't feel like she got much growth. I don't really feel well, like yeah. I had a good idea of like where she's at emotionally or like how does she really feel about Peter and like, yeah. you know, like how how is being a member of the Guardians changed her? I feel like it's really apparent for everyone else, but not so much for her. I, I kind of get the opposite feeling. I feel like in the first movie, she's the most underutilized and underdeveloped character to the point where she's just like, I'm the silent badass that kills people. But in this movie with her sister, I like you actually get a, sem- a sense of like depth to her. I don't know. I, I walked away with a different impression. Okay. Oh, so wait. Now let's transition into spoilers. That was just, I wanted to make that pacing point before we moved on. Overall, we all like the movie. Spoilers. <laughs> okay, so now we are going to do spoilers if you... Wait, I have something to say. Oh my god, you're a fucking monster. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, if you do get to see the movie, you should definitely come back and listen to our spoiler conversation. Uh, if you are jumping off now, goodbye. Uh, hope you enjoyed our conversation. And- see you next week.
Yes. See you next week. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now like we are it, in spoiler it, territory. Subscribe it. Send us all an email. That, go watch the all video that good game stuff. <laughs> Do those things. So now we are in spoiler territory, uh, and I'm going to start the conversation by saying that I was not terribly a fan of the way the movie begins. Um, they they start off sort of fighting this giant monster, and there's the, the song playing in the background, and we watch Baby Groot dance around. Oh, and it I was don't know. cute, but yeah, I, thought it was I, felt cute. Like, I felt like it was a little bit long, and I just thought, okay, so Kalen, Kalen Pete... I believe were the ones who were complaining that we were going to get too much baby Groot. And then well, I the was movie... definitely worried about that. <laughs> yeah. And then the movie starts immediately with baby Groot. Yeah. So I think, I think, uh, I, I, I agree with you sort of. Um, I think that that was a good way to sort of let the audience know that everything we loved will be here. I think I think the I think the the key points of uh of like that whole sequence was uh w- was basically sort of a review of all the good moments of the first one. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was uh, a really yeah. good like status quo establisher. You know, like this is where the team's at. This is where that like this is the level of comfort that they've reached. You know, this like this is familiar territory for them. They're regularly doing this sort of thing together and, you know, like like, you know, I don't know, like, I think, like, even just small things, like, Rocket is trying to set up a fucking speaker system so they can listen to music while they fight, and, like, Groot is a is a baby, and, like, you know, he's running around and not necessarily, like, they're not really concerned about it, you know? Like, I think it was like, a lot of little things that kind of served to just establish where the Guardians are at. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, for me, I, I sort of agree with Sean that it wasn't, at least for me, it wasn't represented in the best way it, it it is that they were trying to set up the like the status quo they're trying to show where everybody is but for me the way they they sort of shot it and had it where you know baby Groot's dancing and he kind he's constantly moving and um in in the background like all the actions like chasing him those kind of those kind of sequences i uh, i don't think benefited telling the story where you could have had um Dude, what? There is no story to tell. It's an opening sequence. It's no, a title it is scroll. no, no. They're... But I'm, but I'm saying, um, in order to introduce the characters like that, you were just sort of following Baby Groot around as he bobs and weaves through the the action versus seeing the action. Yeah, but I don't, I don't think that would have been good. I think that would have been like pretty. That's like not generic. It's generic. Yeah, it's like that's not the style of the Guardians. You know. Yeah. Like, and... Also. The... The story isn't the action. Mm. It's the yeah. it's the it's the dancing. It's the characters. It's kind of making light of it all. Like I think well, like that is the guardians. Yeah, and like it. One thing I noticed several times through through this film is that they they do stuff like that a lot. They put the action in the background, um, and it's like and it's because we sort of we've seen it all before. Right, like, like one of my favorite scenes is the banter back and forth between Peter and Rocket while there's this huge epic space battle going on outside. It's like I don't really need to see that, you know, like yeah, like you know I'm what's the going only on. One that has tape, yeah. <laughs> like oh, I hated that. That's so funny. Like it was Marco not hates fun. Once Marco no, hates fun. once you get past three, like three's the golden number there. Like you gotta you gotta calm down with the tape thing. 
I think I think I agree I, with that. I I think the issue with that is that they that was a moment they used in the trailer, and it it like yeah I think it is a genuinely funny moment, but had they not put it in the trailer, I think it would have gone over no, a lot better. That, I I that was my big thing on the trailer was that moment, like I I didn't I didn't like that that moment the the joke just it didn't it it didn't keep going it wasn't um. It kept going. It was a long. It was stretched, but it didn't uh, need to be. But and that's. I mean, but that's like, also what I'm saying. Like you can hear everything that's going on, and that it it subverts the the genre. And I think that's what makes the yeah, Guardians baby. work. Yeah, baby. It does that often. Yeah, like yeah. It, it, Cause it plays like, with the tropes quite a bit. I didn't like the trailer version of that joke because it just made it sound like Quill was just fighting everyone at the same time as yelling at rocket to me like as he was doing that like i pictured him going to ask everybody if they had any tape yeah i got a kick out of it i don't know yeah i thought i thought it i do agree that it was a little long but i i think it worked yeah i think i think if they had cut out like one or two of the asides and i i did think like the time where it came back around where it's like you think the joke's gonna end, and then he's just like, "Oh, like, did you ask?" Um, yeah, like Nebula. Nebula. Yeah, and he's like, "Yes." And it's like, "No, you didn't." And it's like, yeah, she was yeah. sitting he right hesitates. next to him. See, he, I knew you didn't. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, the idea of them bickering about something like that while there's this like what should be this tense big moment in any other superhero movie is like part of the fun for Guardians for me. Well, I think that I think that represents one of the problems that I had with this movie was that it was very repetitive. So that scene that you guys are talking about, we already saw that play out in the spaceship where they're being chased by the sovereign. Um, the only reason why they didn't why they crash landed on the planet Bearheart is because Rocket and um, Peter couldn't get along, and so they, they were they, kinda, they were thinking with their dicks. <laughs> They that's kinda the, hit that's the, the same, subtext of this movie. <laughs> they they kind of hit the same beat a number of times, and yeah. by the end of it, I was just like, "Can we just, you know, can we just get out of here?" Well, I I was pooping during that, so I didn't really have to worry about that. There you go. Uh, so regarding the sovereign, regarding the sovereign and Rocket sort of stealing their their batteries for no reason, uh, that was a little bit, also a little bit something that I didn't care for. It felt like one of those moments that they had to include because they needed to drive the story yeah, forward. It's de- yeah, it's Deus Ex Machina. You know, like, it's like, yeah, this happened so that the events of the movie are set in motion. I, I, I will say that that, that, in, that scene, it. It, um, it launched, like, the story for me. So when, um, when the Sovereign Queen, she was like, oh, yeah, we're genetically the, the best and this, this, and that. And it was kind of a... It was kind of a related question, but kind of out of the blue, where she was just like, "Oh, what about you, Peter Quill? Like your DNA and whatever." And that sort of set up the story for me. And um, and then, but then again, because I didn't know who Ego was, it kind of it, so it, yeah. It lost. Marco, I'm I'm having an issue with the fact that you didn't know who he was because in every in every statement that's been out, it's been said that Kurt Russell is playing Ego, the Living Planet. Yeah, but. Marco doesn't know who Ego is. Well, yeah, but, but it, wait, but hold his on. name, Mark... his name is Ego, the Living Planet. 
when Marco, when you, because there could be two answers to this. When you say you don't know who he was, are you saying you don't know who he, that he was Peter's father, or are you saying you didn't know he was a planet or that he wasn't a celestial? I don't know. He was. A, I didn't know he was a celestial. I didn't know he was a living planet. And I thought that there was. There's another character that is supposed to be Peter Quill's father. Okay, so then now I now I feel like you might not have watched the trailers. Yeah, I don't. I, don't, I didn't. No, I, I didn't. I, I saw like bits and pieces of it, and it was just like because I, I I didn't need like the the trailer to really. I think I said that on the episode. I was like, I didn't really need this. Like, I didn't. Yeah, like you just wanted to see the movie anyway. Yeah. Well, um, but. I, yeah, I don't know, though, dude. I, I don't really feel like I don't feel like having the knowledge of who Ego is really affected my like ability to comprehend what was happening because I feel like they were like they were really bang at home that like Peter's father is an alien in the first movie. Like they established right. that already, and then we meet this guy who says he's his dad, and then he has this planet that he's a part of and everything. It's like I don't know, man. Like they show right. a face on the planet like no no but but for me that wasn't like at that point that wasn't where the story was going for like like for me i thought it was going to be the whole discovery of who uh peter was and then like there'd be a villain later on and then to see ego become the villain sort of just confused me oh i mean i don't know yeah I mean, like I, yeah i, I don't it was, see how yeah i thought it was set up pretty, pretty well i mean like Gamora, pretty yeah and like Gorm- yeah. Gamora also is like and pretty stereo pretty stereotypical like that's a, a very easy trope yeah yeah and, and they kind of they, they lay the foundation from it right from the beginning gamora's like i don't trust this planet i don't trust this guy and yeah chris pratt says that and like straight up like you know it's like every instance we have with um mantis is very much like something's going on here you know like something's weird with him. Oh my god, Drax's interactions with Mantis were fucking unreal. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they yeah. were very funny. The the scene from the that we've you know we all saw in the trailer where they're sitting around and she tells everyone that uh, Peter wants to sleep with Gamora, and Drax has this unbelievable reaction. His laugh, it, dude. I wasn't so sure that I would like it because I'd already seen it in the trailer and I loved it there, but I laughed so hard. And I was with my friends, and after the movie, we couldn't stop replaying that. Like, it was, it's just, that was a classic moment. There, there is a lot of facial acting that wasn't in the trailer. Yeah. That made it a lot funnier. Like, the cuts to, um, to Gamora and her just being like, oh, God. Like, this is just so, it's so, like, painfully awkward. And then you just have him with this, like, <laughs> deep, guttural fucking, like, ha, 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 ha. Like, it's. <laughs> it sounds like somebody like fake laughing. It's so I don't know. Like what a performance from him, man. What a performance. He's calling I love when he calls Mantis ugly <laughs> shit. All right, I love the end he's like, You're beautiful on the inside. On the inside, yeah. <laughs> he just assumes that she's interested in him and he's like, Oh no, you're too bony for me. <laughs> Kale, go ahead. You mm-hmm. wanna say something? Oh, uh I was gonna say uh I really, I, I love the way that, uh, when she did, you know, the emotion thing, that he, like, the whole of Drax's reaction to all that transferred to her, too. So, so <laughs> oh, it wasn't, right, yeah. so it uh, wasn't yeah. just that she had it. She immediately starts laughing at Peter, too. <laughs> like, in the same way, like, I, yeah, it was, I that. was I've, really nev- good. I've never experienced such humor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was amazing. And speaking of Mantis, uh, I I actually really enjoyed her character. They got a lot of thought, mileage out of her. 
I thought I would based on the trailers and they exceeded my expectations. I really, really liked her. Um, I, I, I wasn't sure exactly what direction they were going to take with her because, um, there was maybe the thought in my mind that she could be, she could turn out to be a villain. Um, I also wasn't sure because in the comics, she's not exactly like this. So, oh, no. She's always a good so, guy, though. Like, I, I yeah, assumed well, that she was going to be fine. Mantis is a real core member of the DNA Guardians of the Galaxy team, and uh, she's super integral to that team. And I kind of had a feeling that they wouldn't do a disservice to her. I feel like she also fills a really, like, a really good niche in the team as it is right now. Cause I think the team like has really good, uh, interplay between one another. And I think like in the first movie, they got a lot of mileage out of kind of like Drax being hyper literal, you know? And I feel like her being the like super intelligent and empathic, but like, like an almost like Starfire kind of character where it's like, I don't like quite yeah. understand human nice. interaction and stuff. And like, there's a lot of, there's a lot you can do with that character with these other characters to play off of her, you know? Yeah, they call her a pet at one point. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, I'm a pet and I'm ugly. <laughs> I, I really I really love the relationship between Drax and Mantis. That was... That's good. That oh, when she, starts, when she starts crying because he's thinking about his family. That was yeah. such a beautiful moment, yeah. Like, that's one of the moments, like, I remember, again, like, thinking it was just really, like, it looked nice, too. You know, like, it, it felt very tonally appropriate for what we were, like, dealing with. You know, it's, like, this beautiful landscape, you know, of this, like, alien world. And, like, but, like, it's so, like, there's, like, a quietness to it that really works for me, you know? It really, it juxtaposes the comedy and the serious moments really well. Because I think of yeah. the moments, like, on the uh, the Ravager ship when they're trying to get Groot to steal... Uh, the the headpiece, yeah. the fin. Oh my god! And yeah, and he has to go back. Like that was another thing that was like overdone, but I got a I got a laugh out of it, you know, because like they kept finding ways to make the joke funny again. Well, I like when he seals the toe. Yeah, oh, no, no, I love that. Good. He's like, no, please tell me you guys have a freezer somewhere of disembodied like toes. No, let's just agree to never talk about this again. And, <laughs> and the whole thing about ta- the whole thing about taser face. <laughs> oh yeah. Dude, especially because, like, the, the thing about scrotum face was like, oh, this thing that I've been thinking every time I've ever seen this character in a comic for, like, forever. Like, <laughs> So, uh, speaking of, of the scene with Baby Groot sort of trying to help them break out, that's actually the exact moment where I fell asleep during this movie. Oh, the, the middle, right? Like, yep. the, there's, like a, there's, like, a huge yep. lull right in the middle. Massive, yeah. massive. I mean, and I, is a problem, but I, I thought it was a a big problem. The movie takes the movie gets really slow. So once the once they break off and Drax, Gamora, and Peter kind of go off to Ego's planet, and then Rocket and and the rest stay behind. That's where I felt like the movie started to drag. Yeah, I knew that part was going to come because I've I've read some reviews. I was excited to see how they played it. I don't think that all the character moments were necessarily bad. I, I really like uh, small moments like that. But again, you know, it was just too much. Re- repetition constantly. The same beats over and over again. And especially when you're you're breaking these characters up and they're all going to have these moments together. I don't think you have the space to continue to replay the same thing. You know, like the stuff with Groot. Funny, 
but they did it four or five times in a row. And I just, I don't know. I just couldn't, I couldn't keep up. Um, and I, I just felt like the pacing was was really uh, really sort of off, which Pete, you were mentioning that earlier. Yeah, and like it's the thing is so weird though, because like I agree with you. Like I I definitely think what you're saying is is accurate, but like I don't know. It's a thing for me where if if a movie or if anything, if anything pacing wise, right? If there's a slow portion and it's in the middle, I'm really okay with it. If I like the characters, so yeah, like same. I think what you're saying is totally valid. But, like, it worked for me because it's, like, I just like the Guardians. Like, I like these five characters, and I like I like the comedy that you get out of just putting them in situations together, you know? And, like, there were good moments peppered throughout. I, I, I don't really think calling a movie a slow is, like, to me, that's never, like, a, I, I never feel that way. I, slow, like, I like slow, you know? The slow down a movie, especially in the second act, just so you get to know your characters better, that's a good thing in my mind. That's what makes the original Star Wars so good, is that the entire middle act of the movie is you getting to know the Force, Ben Kenobi, Luke Skywalker, Han Solo. Like, if you're going to slow down a movie, the middle act is where you do it. And I really enjoyed that in this movie. You you just compared at the original Star Wars to the sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, this no, movie, he didn't. He, he, or, mm, no, he didn't. Yeah. I'm, he did. did. Yeah. Okay, I heard, I heard, I was thinking Empire. Sorry. The way he originally uh, well, said em- it, Empire it sounded does like Empire, too, but yeah, like. But Empire also slows down the middle act because you learn about Yoda and you learn a lot about what the Force really is. Like, oh. if you're going to slow down a movie, the second act is where you do it. Yeah. Also, I think, like, Empire as a film, if you're looking at it as the second act of the entire trilogy, slows down until the end. Like, it's it's very, like, slow, driven by character moments, and, and then it has the big reveal at the end. I don't think the big reveal is as effective in this movie, though, as part of the problem. It's like, I think if you had the reveal of ego and it was like more satisfying in some way and like had come a little earlier that we wouldn't yeah. have the same problem, but it, mm-hmm. it doesn't come until the it's, it is the final battle in a superhero movie. And it also happens to be the big like plot turn. And that's not usually how it happens. And that, I think by, you know, that makes the movie feel a little uh, like front loaded. Like you have about 75% of the movie is set up and like not even set up to what's actually happening. You know, it's just kind of like stuff's going on and it's getting us to where we're going. And like, that's fine. It's enjoyable. It's a good ride. But it does lead to a movie that's it feels a little sloppy. Sure. Yeah. But again, I, I think the characters and the performances do carry it through that enough that like it it matters, but not enough for it to like have significantly impacted my enjoyment of it. But it's also why, like, I don't think it's nearly as good as the first one. So, the, the, well, so Kale and I talked about this, but. A big thing for Marvel movies is I generally just don't feel like they have a lot of rewatch value for the most part. Like when I see it the first time, I enjoy it, and then I don't really need to see it again. It's worth pointing um, out you you feel that way about pretty much all movies, though, right? Like you said, you don't really rewatch movies again. Um, yeah, I don't I don't rewatch a lot of movies mainly because um I want to see something I haven't seen. But with Marvel movies, I kind of especially feel like. I got it the first time. I don't need to see it again. You know what I mean? Not all of them. Like Winter Soldier and Civil War are movies that like Warner uh, plenty of rewatches, obviously. Uh, but 
like the first Guardians movie, which I really loved when I first saw it, the whole aesthetic and the tone and everything and the interactions, I loved it. But with I saw it a few other times and it kind of lost the magic for me. And the same thing happened with Avengers. I I joke about not liking Avengers, but I really did like it when I first saw it. It's just I, like once you see like with all the action scenes, um, like how many times do you need to see the same spectacle? Because that's really what it is. They're spectacles. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know though, dude. I, like I agree with you for the most part. But I feel like Avengers well, and Guardians do kind of stand out. Well, that's my thing here is what I was getting at is this movie has kind of a, a spectacle ending. There's a lot of CGI and stuff. And while I really enjoy the movie, I, I don't know how many rewatches it will really merit. Yeah, but you know what? Like, I don't know. I think that's that's true for me with a lot of movies. Like, I don't usually judge something based on, like, is it rewatchable? You know, it's like... This is a movie that, like, if you go and see it on a Friday or Saturday night with a couple of your buddies or, you know, your date or whatever, uh, you're going to have a good time. But, I mean, like, to Phil's point, it's kind of like a video game where you, whether or not it has replay value. Like, is it one of those? Is it, like, is it just going to be a, a not necessarily a throwaway, but is it kind of just a one and done? Yeah. And, I, you know, I think I think that has some uh, value to, to the the craft of it. And I think... This is one of those where it's like it's a one and done for me. But that that's it a different be. that's a different argument though because games you buy right. So like if I spend sixty dollars on a game, but you it'd bought be a cool ticket to, to be able to this. play it again. But so you know what? I'm sorry. Wait, hold on. Yeah, let me go finish. Ahead, go ahead. So with a film, you spend you buy a ticket, you go to the movie, you watch it, and that's it. That's your experience. I don't think that the that judging a movie based on whether or not you can go see it again is really fair to the film because of course the things that were shocking aren't going to be shocking the second time you see it because you already know what's going to happen um so that that being said though i i i do feel like the the slow portions of this film at least for me uh hamper it because it it, it took away i didn't have the same anticipation of getting to the end that I do with a lot of these other movies, but I also wasn't like in the moment with these characters thinking, you know, I really care about this. Like I enjoy the characters. I enjoy the interactions, but it, it, it wasn't, I wasn't gripped entire. That's why I fell asleep. I wasn't gripped. It's funny. Yeah, like same. that's part of why I like it. Honestly, you know, like that's part of the appeal for me is like, I'm kind what of part, that, the like, part where the entire thing that Sean's saying, like the okay. the fact that it's not, it's not like gripping, you know. Like I don't think everything needs to be amazing. Like not everything needs to be like this thing I want to watch a million fucking times, you know. Like I like there, like I think there's a, there is merit to an experience being enjoyable and not like phenomenal, you know. It's like I I don't think it's like I don't know, man. Like. You're right. Like, I don't disagree with any of the things you're saying, but, like, I enjoyed that it wasn't... It, it didn't feel like all these other movies where it's driving towards this big major ending that I want to see the conclusion to. And it's like, I liked that. Like, I liked that I didn't feel like the ego plot, like, really dominated the movie because that would have been boring, frankly. Like, I don't think that, like... I don't need to see another big, ma like, fucking, you know, huge thing around this villain who is going to make a big thing and blow up a city or some yes. shit, you know? It's like, yeah. it feels uh, smaller, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. that's so, a different That's a different conversation, though, because... Well, that, I think it's an important conversation to have, because almost every Marvel movie has 
like someone is trying to destroy a city or a planet or a galaxy, and they have to save a la- from it from a laser, and something usually goes up in the sky, and it's a schlock. And that's something I liked about the Doctor Strange movie is it really subverted the the superhero movie formula at the end. And I feel like this movie kind of does that too, but I, I to think a with, lesser extent. I think what Sean's saying because I, I sort of agree. Like the that that middle point didn't didn't grip us and and phil you had mentioned that you know those slower parts of the part where you kind of like build the characters and I, I i'm assuming sean that you weren't as invested in the characters during that slow part which is why it wasn't as uh like gripping it didn't it didn't keep your attention as sort of the other the other parts of the movies but yeah. also also you wouldn't have had the emotional resonance of uh you know rocket raccoon and or Yondu Yondu. yeah without those uh yeah because when i when yondu you know dies i like i i felt it because i they made it a point to make you care about yondu absolutely like i cried in that moment and like that wouldn't have mattered without those but that isn't but that doesn't mean that you have to slow the movie down to a crawl to get there there are ways to make it dynamic and interesting and exciting without necessarily having to you know put me to sleep I mean, I don't, I don't know if I agree. Yeah, that's the I thing. Mean, it's like, it's, how can it's, you not agree? This is something that happens in movies all the time. No, because it's like we don't agree with your assessment of it. Like, it's fine if that's how you guys felt that way, but we didn't feel like it was that slow or that it slowed to a crawl or that it was boring. I was, yeah, I was into it. I loved every second of whatever it is you're talking about. Like, I, I so, was very into it. Yeah, like I so, felt engaged throughout the whole movie. Like, I didn't, ha- it didn't have a dip for me. Yeah. So if you don't slow down the movie and really established characters and yondu's in the first one but you really like he has a resonance with rocket and stuff and his death has a huge payoff and so you juxtapose that with something like a force awakens when han solo dies you care because he was a huge seminal character in three massive pop culture movies but the way they pace the new star wars movie you don't feel the same resonance because they don't slow the movie down well and i think part of it too is also just like the way that they do it is like he's surrounded by new characters that don't really like there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of problems there you know but like i think like what what you're saying though i your ultimate point i agree with is like yondu's death matters because you get by the end of the movie you don't only have a new appreciation for his relationship to peter which is something that they did establish yes. in the first movie and then built more in this movie which i thought was great but he also has a relationship to rocket because like you see like what Rocket is doing and the the friction that Rocket is creating with the other people in the team and like Yondu calls him out on that and like they have a moment where they do bond and like they do feel a kind of kinship that I think is felt throughout the movie because it not only makes Yondu's death matter it makes Rocket's like what to Sean's point where Rocket ends in the movie is a lar- is largely because of Yondu. You know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Kale, Pete, I like this movie more than the first Guardians. <laughs> All right, cool. Thanks. I don't care about that. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I also uh, Yondu got a lot of uh, like exposition and stuff, and like resolution with the other Ravagers too. And I think that was also oh, really hell important. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this, yeah. The setup of his like first mate as a character, I think, was really good too. Yeah, like he he got yeah. some I love, development that was enjoyable. I love Stallone's little cameo. Man, yeah, dude, and that the was semblance dope. of the original Guardians was really cool. That was neat. What do you mean? 
Uh, so that, that post credit scene with Sylvester Stallone and, like, the red person and, like, the robot head, like, all those people who were, like, the heads of the Ravager crews that came to Yondu's mm-hmm. funeral, they're all the original Guardians of the Galaxy along with Yondu. Is that what that was? Yeah. They were the original oh, team before, that's neat. before the reboot. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. And Yondu is one of them. Yondu's the only character from our Guardians that's actually an original Guardian. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice little, nice little cameo there, kind of throwback. And then I don't know if you guys caught this too, but the thing with Stan Lee uh, was confirming that he's a Watcher. Yeah, which is a I, long, uh, so. A is that what that was? Yeah, it's a long held theory, but yeah, that's what that was. That was Mar- super neat, Marco. No, 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 why, no. I, I, I know the Watcher. Shut up. No. Why are you here? <laughs> God I damn it! I, so then, but our Watcher for for this is Owatu, right? Yeah. Yes. So, so does that mean Stan Lee is a watcher, the watcher? Maybe. Maybe. Like it was, he's a watcher, or he's a Stan Lee, the watcher. I thought, I thought they were just kind of. The ass- I thought they did just abducted him or something, and like no, that was the, the joke. The assertion was that like he he is a shape changer, and that's the thing that the the watchers are able to do to blend in and, and view events. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I didn't. I don't think that that was confirmed by this scene because it, it ends with him saying. You I guys are my home. ride home. How am yeah. I going to get out of here? Like, I don't, I don't think it was confirmed. I think. Well, I think, I think what was confirmed was that he was like a cosmic entity. He's, he's a like a, a in some of form the or fashion. Or yeah, something. Yeah, he's like a, a minion of the Watchers. Whatever. It was just a joke. It was a fun nod. Yeah. Also loved that um, Howard the Duck cameo. Glad to see. Oh him yeah, come yeah. Back. That was good. That was great. C- can we talk about the post credit stuff? Sure. All right. So, teenage group. Yeah, that teenage was funny. Teenage fucking group. That was really funny. Yeah, I thought I thought that was a really good uh scene. Um I'm excited to see him be an adult already, you know, like yeah. I I enjoyed yeah. him being a baby in this film. I thought it was funny and cute and everything else, but I'm very ready for a big time group. Adult group, yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, which I think we addressed this uh when we talked about uh the new Avengers. I think Oh yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Part of the reason they're they made it only a couple months later was so we could have grown up Groot in Avengers Infinity War or whatever it's going to be called. Yeah, as a as a sidebar, um, I felt like this movie was going to build up more Thanos shit, and it really barely talks about him. He's nodded with Gamora and Nebula, but that's it. I and like that. With that said, honestly, yeah, I know. I I want the movie to be self contained and its own thing, but. I don't know, they've been really teasing out this Thanos shit for, like, I don't know, since, like, 2010 or something. And, like, the the build-up, I just don't think has been really good. (laughs) Like, I agree with you, but that's kind of why I'm, like, if this movie had also dealt with Thanos, I think that would have been annoying. You might be right, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, uh, it's good that they didn't because the Guardians is a, as a, as a group, really needed a solo movie that wasn't tied to Thanos. Because, yeah. like, everything else has gotten that, and we hadn't seen that with the Guardians. Um, yeah, I mean, they've given they've given the Thanos thing a break for a few movies because we all, like, it's already established. He The last time we saw him, he said, I, I, you know, I have to do everything myself, and we know he's coming, so that's it. That's the build. You know, I don't think, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's been mishandled at all. I think it's been great, but I don't think... I think it's better that he's not involved in every single movie or in every single post credit scene or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't really don't see how they could have handled it any other way other than just not introducing him until later. But, like, I don't personally think that's a problem because, like, 
they've been building up to Thanos, but, like, not really. Like, he's not centrally involved in many of the films. Like, he gets a tease at the end of Avengers. He's a central player in Guardians, but, like, it's not like he's, like, you know, Avengers 2 didn't deal with him. You know, it's not like he's been, like, lurking in the background of everything, like, in a major way that's feelable in the movies, you know? Yeah, and it's only been it's only been since Avengers number one, which came out in twenty twelve. So that's really not that long. Yeah, and then again, he was featured in Guardians two years later, right? So it's like, I don't think that's too much. Yeah, it, we'll we'll see when it comes out, but uh, I'm just worried that the payoff won't feel, you know, like satisfying. I don't know. I think but it'll be we'll fine. See. We got we get we get two whole movies with the guy. I think I think it's gonna be all right. Yeah, and that's also that's also ancillary to this topic. So, final thoughts on well, Guardians. Wait, the well, wait, wait, wait. I, so, yeah, I had one more thing. I had one more thing. The Adam Warlock tease at the end of the yep. movie. So that was, I knew what that a, was. That's a major thing for Thanos. You know, like it's, it's not actually because he's not going to be involved in a in Infinity wait. War at all. Hold on, Marco. Hold on. What the fuck? You knew who Adam Warlock was, but you don't know who Ego the Living Planet is. I only know Adam Warlock because of uh, Infinity Gauntlet. Oh, God, I'm, I'm so and, glad, so glad we don't film this in the same fucking room. I'd <laughs> punch you in the face. <laughs> Wait, Sean. So we 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 know that Warlock's not going to be in Infinity Wars. Yep. Why? James Gunn confirmed it. Oh, really? When? Yeah. In interviews, he's going to be in Guardians Three. He's going to be like one of the main villains of Guardians Three, but he's not. He's not involved in anything that's happening with huh. uh, infin- the Infinity Battle between Thanos and the Avengers. Oh, okay, that's fucking crazy. <laughs> that's really okay. weird. And he actually admitted that he messed up by including him in the post-credit scene for Guardians One. He did. Uh, that's right. Yeah, because he had no like they they didn't have a plan for him to be involved and. He wanted to use him in Guardians 2 and then took him out of the movie because he felt like it was one character too many. So then they included him in the post credit scene and now there's no way to put him in Infinity War. That sucks. Huh. Yeah, he's Adam Warlock is very integral to the whole Thanos Infinity Gauntlet story. That, that's kind of like his one that was like his really big This is this feature. is role. Yeah, like that's what he Wait. does. Like <laughs> he gets... I wonder I, I sort of wonder if that role will be filled with uh Captain Marvel. Wait, she's gonna. Um, she's not gonna be in them. Yeah, her movie won't be out yet. Is she? she I thought I was under the impression she would be in those films. I think Carol Danvers might be, but I don't think Captain Marvel is. She is Captain Marvel, dude. I know that, but I mean, like, she doesn't become like Carol Danvers is a Shield agent first. Yeah, well, the, but the Captain, she's gonna become Captain Marvel in that movie. The Captain Marvel movie does not release until March eighth, and Infinity War comes out next year. So yeah. I mean, I guess that doesn't mean she cannot be in, in it uh, in, in the Infinity War, but but we haven't heard that she's in it. So mm. is her huh. movie the last movie before Infinity War? No, no, it comes out. Infinity he just War said comes it comes out, out in twenty eighteen. It comes oh, out I between March. them. Okay, all right. So I guess he might be in the second one. Yeah, I I I had heard that there were like twenty some odd heroes, and that she was one of them. That was in it. Well, we'll see. So let's let's wrap up this this conversation on Guardians. I think that's a really good movie. I, uh, despite the fact that I've been vilified on this particular episode, I actually really <laughs> enjoyed the film. Uh, I didn't think it was perfect. I thought it had its issues. Uh, I thought there were some some pacing issues that 
kind of hampered my enjoyment, but I overall really love the characters way more. I thought the villain was phenomenal, and I think that as a sequel, it really did everything that it needed to do in terms of giving you more of the stuff you like and less of the stuff you don't like. People didn't love the final battle from Guardians 1, so we got something that I thought was more intimate this time around, which I really appreciated. I thought it went the Doctor Strange road of subverting your your uh, expectations in terms of the final battle uh, and in terms of the villain, quite frankly. Um, but nothing will beat, or nothing has yet beaten the moment with the moment at the end of Guardians 1 where Groot says we are Groot. Nothing oh, in this movie yeah. was uh, at that level. Um, so yeah, a, a very good sequel, a, a sequel that you all should check out for sure if you haven't. Although if you haven't, I don't know why you're listening to this right now. Um, you just had and, the whole movie uh, spoiled for you. Yes. I, why go see it then? And one of the better sequels that Marvel has put out, I would say. Hey, Sean, question. Hey. Yes. There's a question for everyone too. For all the Marvel movies, where would this rank on your totem pole? Let's That's do a topic that for another, another episode. Yeah. Yes. Um, Fine. Sorry, man. That's like a twenty-minute discussion that you're trying to open up right as Sean's ending the episode. So, uh, I, no, I think it's just a simple number. Above Captain America, nineteen ninety, but below Doctor Strange of the nineteen sixties. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, so we'll, we'll put a pin in that one for another episode. Um, yeah, I mean, I echo a lot of Sean's points. I, you know, I think I think the film's really enjoyable. Um, it, its problems are significant and fairly frequent, but uh, I don't. They didn't hamper my enjoyment of the movie. Uh, I think it's it's a lot of fun. It's not. It's got a lot of heart. I think it has like a pretty good uh, through line in terms of like just emotion. You know, like the the story itself isn't super well executed but i think the beats uh play really well and um again the performances are really strong the characters are well defined and it's enjoyable if you like the guardians you'll enjoy this movie and uh i think it's it's a solid b you know like it's not it's not in the upper echelon of the marvel pantheon by any means but you know it's uh it's certainly a lot better than i thought it was going to be you know i think it, it definitely um it's everything avengers 2 should have been for sure yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think the eighty-one uh, percent, the Rotten That's Tomatoes. Uh, yeah, I think uh, that dichotomy I think is uh, appropriate and and well deserved. The eighty-one versus eighty-nine uh, audience enjoyment or whatever. I think that's a, a good representation of 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 how this film played out. Yeah, yeah. Like I think even at its peak, the most the best that I think anyone should give it is a B plus. The fact you know, like. The fact that some people feel among them are like, I like it better than the first one is like a little, I feel like, we'll give it some space, you know? Like, we'll see how you feel about it in a couple of viewings, but. Well, I probably won't rewatch it because I haven't watched the first one in a while, but uh, yeah, I think it's good. It's probably in my top five of the Marvel movies. Uh, it's better than most of them, at least. Um, it's not as good as Winter Soldier or Civil War. Another day, Phil. But it's probably like <laughs> the next best one. Uh, so maybe top three of the Marvel movies. I don't know. It's He's up just there. still going. Just and, you're the uh, worst. Though. I love I love the aesthetic. It's good. Uh, the closing credits was really cool looking. Yeah, yeah. Very and, stylish uh, movie. And 
you know, like all Marvel movies are just not as good as the best Fox movies, but what are you going to do? <laughs> please stop talking. Can we please just... Marco, so, can you tell us yeah, what check you it think, out. please? Uh, yeah, um, I share a lot of sentiments with uh, Sean. I think it was, you know, um, it was good. There were some parts that, that I didn't necessarily enjoy, um, or not necessarily enjoy, but weren't as enjoyable for me. Um, but overall, yeah, like a solid B, B minus. Definitely worth your time. Cool. So, yeah, absolutely. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Um, definitely do let us know your thoughts on the film. We'd love to hear from you guys, from you pals that are at home listening to this. Uh, let us know whether you liked the movie, whether you didn't like it. Um, you know, just all your thoughts. Who was your favorite guardian in this film? Let us know. So you can you can hit us up on iTunes. You can leave us a five-star rating or any rating you think is appropriate. I think a five-star rating is appropriate. Uh, we are a five-star rated podcast as it is. Uh, you can find us on all social media host or <laughs> you can find us on all <laughs> podcast hosting platforms, uh, including SoundCloud. Uh, you can also find us on all social media platforms. We are at the comics pals all over the place. So check us out there. Uh, you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com. And finally, YouTube, you can like this video. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can leave a comment down below and you can subscribe to our channel, which is super important. Definitely share this. Share the podcast. Share the YouTube. Share it all. Let people know that we are out here uh, and they were do- that we are doing something that you like that is hugely important. Um, and then last but not least, please do check out our new podcast. Please check out the Video Game Pals. Uh, we are one episode deep. By the time you guys hear this, we may or may not be two episodes deep. It's good stuff. Uh, I'm very proud of it. Pete's very proud of it. And uh, I think you guys will get a kick out of it. If you like video games, check it out. Yeah, if you're listening to the show on Monday, it'll be up tomorrow. That's going to be kind of our regular schedule. It should be Tuesdays and Wednesdays on, uh, you know, um, audio platforms and YouTube, respectively. Kind of the same way we do it for the for the show. Yep. So let's do some plugs. Pete. Cool. Um, yeah, so if you guys want to uh, get some more content from me, you can go check out my writing over at CBR.com uh, where I do writing, uh, lists and quizzes, that kind of thing. Um, I've got uh, two out this week, one about um, the best cartoon theme songs of the 1980s. I've got a quiz up about who said it, Dark Side or Thanos, so you can go and prove your Guardian's knowledge um, there. And then I've got another one coming out this week about... Um, uh, 15 shows that you didn't know that Marvel produced in the 80s, which includes uh, some shows like um, Transformers, G.I. Joe. So some fun ones on there. Go check that out as well. Um, and then uh, this is going to be the last week of content over at Slack and Slash, my YouTube gaming channel. If you guys uh, haven't checked it out, I would greatly appreciate if you go and check out um, you know, the last kind of two scripted videos that we did. They were pilots for shows that we planned on doing full seasons of. But um, we never really got past the pilot process on them. Uh, so I'd love it if you'd go check them out, leave a comment, uh, let me know what you think of them. I'm trying to gauge feedback on those to inform some of my future YouTube endeavors. So you'd be doing me a huge favor if you go check that out. Um, give me your feedback. And then uh, you can get me on social media, at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, come tell me your thoughts on Guardians. Cool. Kale? Uh, you can check out my comic book, uh, From the Deep, on Comixology under uh, Panels Publishing. You can find it uh, and the rest of the panel's crew's work on uh, panelspublishing.com. Uh, 
Uh, we're on uh, Facebook and Twitter at Panels Comics. On Twitter, it's uh, Panels Comics with an X. And then you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. Phil. Um. So I'm doing a Kickstarter to get a new kidney because the Russian hand took mine. So if you want to fund that, that'd be great. And uh, you can find me on social media at Cyborg Bebop. Marco. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at what was Marco and on Twitter at Instagram as well. Marco underscore um, Pete. I did want to say your article. I haven't thought about a pup named Scooby-Doo in years, dude. dude. <laughs> so thank you for bringing back those awesome memories. No problem. Um, man. How good is that song? Oh, super. Um, so yeah. Cool. And I am at Sean Soapbox on Twitter. Hit me up for. Whatever reason you feel like you want to hit me up. With that, we are the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. Bye. 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 I'll punch Marco in the face. You don't even think. Ego, the living plant, don't know who Ego is.